Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Friday edition of the Steve Jones Show as we head into the weekend on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And Sean Carey here, and Steve will be there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Friday edition of the Steve Jones Show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, the beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury, and specials going on now through Tuesday. If you haven't had a chance, Yingling fans, to try the new Yingling Golden Pilsner, they got it at Brewers Outlet, 12-pack cans, eight ninety nine, and Lion's Head and Light, 24-pack cans, are nine eighty eight. And to go along with your favorite beverages, snacks, fresh roasted peanuts, chips, and, of course, the pickle bar, second to none, and ice right there by the register and the door. Grab a dolly, stock up on your cases, and you're good to go for the weekend, thanks to our buds at the Beverage Supermarket, Brewers Outlet on Reagan Street in Sunbury. If you miss any of our live shows here on WKOK, don't forget you can get them on demand thanks to the Steve Jones Show podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on both iTunes, listen to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, also get it on Google Play, search Steve Jones Show, and subscribe, and the shows will drop right to your smartphone and tablet after they air live here on WKOK. And we always archive three months of shows at stevejonesshow.com. Be with you live till 5. Scheduled to join us today, Jesse Doherty uh, from the Washington Post. will be talking about the Maryland basketball scandal that's been going on. And also, Friday tradition continues. Steve's brother, Kevin Jones, he'll be calling in from Connecticut. Check in with Kev at 435. Steve will be on vacation next week, so we will have a best of for you next week. We're going to replay great interviews with the legendary Spider Caldwell, Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart, Kim Jones from NFL Network, and much, much more during our best of week. We'll pilot that next week as you enjoy that and as Steve gets to enjoy some much, much well-deserved downtime. Well, it took 99 games and three tiebreakers over five sets. Took well over six hours, but South African Kevin Anderson finally reached the Wimbledon final. Anderson, the number eight seed. He regularly fired aces against record-serving American John Isner. They were tied after two sets. The fifth set, 26-24, just wrapped up about 15, 20 minutes ago. The match set Wimbledon semifinal records for the number of games, 72, and the duration, 6 hours and 36 minutes. It bested the previous mark by an hour and 52 minutes. I was watching 
when it started. Me too. I was still home this morning. I was, I was, I was having coffee in the living room this morning, and the match just started. <laughs> it was like 6-5 in the first set. <laughs> and I'm watching Isner, and I'm really impressed with him because, you know, I'd seen Anderson play against uh, Federer, and that was intriguing. So I'm watching this. I'm thinking, wow, it, the thing that impressed me about Isner, who I really hadn't watched a lot of before, is that, wow, boy, his return of serve is great. I mean, you know, uh, you watch Anderson, he serves it down the tee, Isner gets it, serves it to the corner, Isner gets it. It's like, okay. Uh, and the, even even the, the game, I mean, there was a game I watched that took, oh, it had to be like six ads, you know, before they finally, Anderson finally won the game. It's all about evenly matched. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you get to the final, fifth set. Other tournaments, you play to a tiebreaker. Wimbledon, you have to win by two. So when Sean tells you it was 26-24, he means it was 26 games to 24 games, not points. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is the same John Isner earlier this decade that was involved in that amazingly incredible match that was in 2010, the one that lasted well over 11 hours against Nicholas yes. Mahout. That was the yes. one that Isner won 70 games to 68 in the fifth set. So, yeah, at one point when it was 22-22, Isner was probably telling himself, I'm just getting warmed up. We'll get this. <laughs> Uh, I've been down this road before. There's one other guy on the planet who could claim that. It'd be Nick, Nicholas Mahout. Well, he's probably saying, this, I can't. I, uh, here we go again. <laughs> that, that'd be oh, my crap. thought. Oh, oh man. God, we're going to be here all night. <laughs> oh. And Novak Djokovic, he was posting on social media. He posted a video. He's playing marbles back in the dressing room, killing time. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, can you blame him? <laughs> what else can you do? <laughs> now, the only plus is they now have the roof, which means, of course, they have lights. So that helps. So they can play center court. So I think Djokovic and the dollar are supposed to be just starting now, I think. That is correct. <laughs> Everybody having a good time. <laughs> Everybody's getting their money's worth, that's for yeah. sure. This is great. People inside We're center court and those out on the hill, both. We are we are having some fun now. Yeah. <laughs> and we thought the second semifinal was going to be good. Hey, top that, guys. Uh, yeah, 26 to 24. Jeez, that's amazing. That's amazing. You think about it, I mean, it's thoroughly amazing. <laughs> Even aces. Uh, Isner ended up with 53 aces in the match alone. He now had he ended up with 214 for the tournament, and he beat the record set by Goran Ivanišević back in 2001. But not to be outdone, Kevin Anderson he had 49 aces. Well, you have 53 aces. You're probably thinking to myself, "How am I losing to this guy?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They popped a stat up on the screen: uh, fastest serve. I think there one. I think Anderson had like 135, and Isner was able to clock one at over 140. It's nuts. Oh, my goodness. Well, this isn't the Jimmy Connors era. Oh, my goodness. 26 to 20. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, really, that's amazing. I think.
And I, I've always I've always enjoyed watching tennis. Did you hear the but, one guy in the crowd when it was thirteen thirteen? Uh, we're here to see Rafa. <laughs> that point my thought would be you're a jerk <laughs> it's not my job for you to see rafa but i i told you that great story though about uh, the u.s open right i've told you that story yeah. about tiger woods roy mcelroy and and and, and fernandez I told you that story, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I have. Mm-hmm. At Marion? Yeah. Where uh, they're playing the 15th hole. And I was walking back to the interview area. And, I mean, Tiger and, and McElroy are not really, they're not really in the tournament. Okay, that's fine. Because, I mean, at this, you know, at this point, this is a Justin Rose, Phil Mickelson duel between the two of them. Okay? So that's what it is. Okay. So... Turns out, by score, they're paired together. And so they're playing the 15th hole, and Tiger hits the ball. Rory hits, Fernandez hits, whatever. And Fernandez is actually closer to the green than those guys are. I mean, I'm sorry, closer to the hole than they are. Like, Tiger was like 20, 25 feet out. Uh, McElroy was like like 20 feet out. And then Fernandez was, I mean, you're talking about he's right there. Right? Right there. Okay. So, he's like 10 feet away. So the crowd starts chanting, Tiger, we love you. We love you. You're the greatest. Incredible. Hey, go, Tiger, go. And all of a sudden, it kind of dies down. There. Rory, Rory, you're the greatest. We love you. You're the greatest. You're the greatest. And this guy standing right next to me, right next to me, says, we love you, other guy. <laughs> Where? Find these people. <laughs> we love you, other guy. Oh, that's that was Wait, funny. That's a backhanded generic compliment. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> and Fernandez like looked over and smiled. <laughs> got to say, great. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was really good. All right. So, yeah, we had that going on today at Wimbledon and also uh, a, a beloved former Philadelphia Philly, Chase Utley, expected to yeah. announce his retirement at the end of the 2018 season. Uh, yes. Expected to hold a press conference later today before the Dodgers game. He just wanted to get it out of the way so there'd be no speculation for the rest of the season. But he's not playing a lot, so. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, he is. There's no question he's a beloved former Philly. Um, he signs for kids. While Ryan Howard doesn't, I think that point's been made on this show over and over again by a certain individual. <laughs> Remember, Suit Light got an autograph from Chase Utley. That's right, how, he did. I forgot about that. How can we possibly forget that golden moment? Mm. <laughs> and I've no use for Ryan Howard, none whatsoever. But what if Ryan Howard suddenly bought digital media? We'll come to- <laughs> put that autograph right next to the Michael Andretti bevy of autographs in the. Uh- this, yeah. this, is- I love him. <laughs> <laughs> right up there at Sage Karam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said so. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, he did. Oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With Sage, sage Care. Sage Care. 
They're tight. We're tight. Oh yeah, we're buds. In what universe? <laughs> His, <laughs> not ours. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's like being a moon that's that's circling Neptune. I mean, so far away, it's irrelevant. No. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the same universe. I mean, are we talking the same universe? What's the planet? That, what's the planet that no longer exists? Is, is, is Pluto. it Pluto that no Pluto. longer exists? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, up, up world, there. Up there. In yeah. my world, Pluto's still number nine. All right. <laughs> I. I don't care. I don't know what they call them now. What, what do they call them? They call uh, uh, not a speck, but a. Basically, it's a glorified rock. Yeah. It's still a planet to me. I grew up, I had to learn the thing in science class. It's still in. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to force me to, if you're going to force me to, to look at that stuff, then it's still in. That was the first one I could always remember because it, with it being the smallest. So I just started there and worked my way up to the bigger planets. Oh, no, 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 no. You go Mercury, you go Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter. Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Now, every once in a while, Neptune and Pluto, believe it or not, for a couple of years switch spots as to who's last. Mm. And right now, there's some science teacher sitting there going, Oh, God. <laughs> he, actually, <laughs> he actually listened. <laughs> We'll come back with more in a moment. I'll tell you what I'm listening. Brewers Outlet. Brewers Outlet. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. Four city blocks of new Ford trucks. Over 40,000 trucks sold. SMC is where you want to be. Sunbury Motors Ford has over 110 new Ford trucks. And during July, they'll include a complimentary accessory package. With the purchase of any new F-150 through July 31st, receive a tonneau cover, molded flash cars, and window deflectors at no additional charge. SMC is where you want to be because they have the largest selection of new Ford trucks in all of central Pennsylvania. And that means the biggest savings. Take up to $13,500 off on new F-150s. And SMT has them starting as low as $26,669. Save up to seven grand on 2018 Ford Escapes. And they're slashed as low as nineteen three eighty. dollars 2018 Explorers, Edges, and Expeditions will also be clearly marked with discounts up to eight grand. SMT is where you want to be in July for this mega summer spectacular sale and the complimentary F-150 accessory package. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. F-150 accessory package valued at six ninety nine. dollars Excludes prior all right, great to have you with us on the show today. Uh, Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post coming up uh, later in the show. We're going to talk about some of the issues Maryland's facing right now uh, because 
they have not been subpoenaed just once but twice during the course of this FBI investigation into college basketball. So we're going to talk to Jesse about that, but also the state of where they are as a program. And here they are heading into their fifth year in the Big Ten. Where are they? Where are they with all this? I mean, the fan base is not... They're not enamored with it. And can you blame them? I mean, they're used to look. There are a lot of there are a lot of Penn State fans today that are 25, 26 years into this thing, and they're not enamored with the Big Ten. I mean, that's you're you're talking a, a generation of fans that have grown up with nothing but the Big Ten. I mean, every Penn State student that's on the campus right now, that's an undergraduate, every one of them, every single one of them, has. Uh, grown up with the Big Ten. They don't they don't know about the independent era at Penn State at all. They've read about it. Yet I mean you talk to the fan base though, the older fan and they'll tell you right away that a lot of them still pine for the days of, of, of independence. I mean, they that mean that to them. That's you know, they still want to see them play Pitt, Syracuse, Boston College, West Virginia, Temple. Oh, well, they're you know, and they don't like they. There's a strong feeling, as well, that the Big Ten is so Michigan, Ohio State based, it bothers them. Even the Big Ten Network, which does a great job of getting so much out there for so many different schools, including Penn State, the fans are sitting there going, so what? You still have too much Ohio State and Michigan on. (coughs) The 73 game between Ohio State and Michigan determined the Rose Bowl. Penn State will fans will tell you, so what? The 73 Penn State team was better than either one of them. Right? That's what they'll tell you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hola, buenos dias, and welcome to the show. We reach out to everyone everywhere. That's why we vary the open in various languages. Those are also the only words I know in those various languages. So. (laughs) Oh, man. Great to have you with us on the show today. It is summertime. Article today about the Phillies and what they should do. I saw that on CBSSports.com today, reading the story. What their options are from Scooter Gannett to, yes, Manny Machado. The fallback at shortstop, if they were to get a second baseman, would be Cesar Hernandez, they claim. Uh, 
So that's what the article said. That's the fallback. That's fine. Uh, but let's get to this day in sports history. And then Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post is going to join us in the next half hour to talk about the subpoenas that the Maryland Athletic Department has received in the college basketball probe. There are nine known subpoenaed universities. Maryland happens to be one of the nine. I'm going to talk to Jesse about that and also about... Here it is going into the fifth year of the Big Ten. Has it caught on down there? And the answer is simply no. Uh, when Jack Ham, Derek Williams, and I were down at Maryland on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we went down to um, Derek on the sideline at one point. You know, the game's get you know the game's getting out of hand. But there was something specific I wanted to talk to him about, and I asked him the question. Hey, you live down here because Derek lives in the Baltimore area. I said, you live down here. Has the Big Ten caught on here? And he says, Steve, Jack, no. Has not. You know, they pine for the days of the ACC. And I completely understand. As I said in the previous half hour, an older Penn State fan still pines for the Eastern football days. Pitt, Temple, West Virginia, Syracuse, Boston College. You know, Maryland was one of the teams they played every year, but they pined for those. I mean, they liked they that that was their era. They're not crazy about the Big Ten. Now, the younger fan, let's face it, if you're 30 years old, essentially all you know is the Big Ten. If you're 30 or younger, all you know is the Big Ten. If you're 40 or older, you remember distinctly the independent era of Penn State football. And if you're 50 or 60 or older, there's a large group, and I know because I go around and I speak to a lot of groups, that in a lot of ways pine for those days of Eastern independence. Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, Temple, Rutgers, Boston College, Maryland. I mean, those are the seven schools. West Virginia. Those are the seven schools they played every year. And they like the fact that they could travel to a game. I mean, that was that was also an important part of it. They could travel to some of these games. And a lot of people that are the 40 to 50 plus, let's say safely 50 plus, the 50 plus group Penn State fan, is not completely enamored with the Big Ten. Even now, 26 years in, even now, not enamored with the Big Ten. I'm talking about 26 years competitively. Because obviously Penn State's been in the Big Ten for 28. But 26 years competitively, 26 season coming up, they're not enamored with it. Because they and it's it's not the competition It's the fact that they feel there's a bias toward Ohio State and Michigan over and over and over again in everything that's done. They feel over and over and over again there is a bias to Ohio State and Michigan. Even in simple items such as Big Ten Network programming, they feel there's a bias. You know, the 10-year war, the 73 game. I mentioned the 73 game, the one that ended in the 10-10 tie. 
And by the way, the Big Ten Network in the documentary on that on that seventy three game between Michigan and Ohio State, the ten ten tie, did a not just a good job; they did a great job on that one hour documentary. It really was in terms of the job that they did as storytellers was outstanding. But Penn State fans, of course, resent part of it because Penn State was sitting there in nineteen seventy three with a twelve and zero football team and the Heisman Trophy winner. And Penn State fans feel very strongly that Penn State would have beaten either one of those teams and may have beaten either one of them with relative ease. All right, this day in sports history. Philadelphia's Ed Delahanty became the second major league player to hit four home runs in a single game on this date in 1896. We uh, have mentioned before that we think in 2030, Uruguay should get the World Cup. Why? It was on this date in 1930 in Uruguay that the first World Cup took place. Thirteen teams were involved in the competition. 1963, early win then with the Cleveland Indians, won its 300th career game. 1972, this is the date that Carol Rosenblum, the owner of the Baltimore Colts, traded the Colts to Robert Ursay for the Los Angeles Rams. Ursay eventually took the Colts 11 years later, 12 years later, and moved them to Indianapolis. Rosenblum eventually married Georgia Frontieri. Team went from Los Angeles to Anaheim, and Georgia eventually moved it to St. Louis. Sold it to Stan Kroenke, who moved it back to Los Angeles. Are you following along? 1982, the All-Star Game was played outside of the United States for the first time at the Big O in Montreal. And sportscaster Howard Cosell on this date in 1984 asked to be released from his duties on Monday Night Football. He said he was tired of being tied to the football mentality. Oh, imagine how he'd feel today. And that is this day in sports history. But I think, I think, Sean, I think that's a fair evaluation over the years of what I've experienced. Is um, And this goes back to Maryland. Maryland's now going into their fifth year. The fans down there, they want to be in the ACC. That's what they're used to. I mean, I'll admit in the 90s when they made their debut in the Big Ten, it took a, you know, it took a while to settle in and get used to, but it was hard when you already had that already ingrained and locked in rivalry in place between Ohio State and Michigan. And, you know, of course, people out there say it is the greatest rivalry in college football or in all of sports. And I think that's kind of the thing with Penn State playing Ohio State and Michigan every single year. We consider that we consider both of them very huge games. But when you talk to the fan bases of both of those colleges, no, no, our big game is when we play Michigan or, or when we play Michigan or when we play Ohio State. If you talk to either one of those fans from either one of those schools. Yeah, you know what? I did see something, though, when I went to the Penn State and broadcast the Penn State-Ohio State game last year. And when they stormed the field after the game, it was a dramatic come-from-behind win. I got it. You know, it, it, it was. But their fans stormed the field. Like, it meant something. I mean, like, it meant something to them. And here's the other element. Penn State beat Ohio State two years ago here. Dramatic close game. Ohio State needed a dramatic close game to then reciprocate and win at home. Michigan's won one time in the last, what, 13 years 
against Ohio State. When does it stop being a rivalry? I mean, when one team is that dominant and keeps winning all the time, when does it start to lose its juice? But again, if you're if you're an older Penn State fan, I mean, look, I run into this all the time. They, they, the Big Ten bugs them in some ways. Now, do you expect Maryland after you know the big game for them was always, hey, let's play Duke? Um, I mean, Duke basketball. What's interesting about Maryland is this: Maryland's biggest game basketball wise was always when they played Duke at home. The problem Maryland had was is that for Duke it was just another game. I think Duke's big rivals North Carolina. Eight miles apart, the whole deal, long history. Now they have a long history of Maryland. But again, for Maryland, the biggest game they played all year was against Duke. For Duke, it was another game in the ACC. Now, they're good, they're good. If Maryland was really, really good, then obviously you throw more juice on it. Whomever's good at the moment is where your juice goes. So when I was uh, had a chance to talk to, to Jesse earlier, that is um, that's one of the topics. And again, I brought it up with Derek Williams. He goes, "Nah, it's just really not catching on here." And I've talked to Johnny Holiday about this many, many times. Yeah, I mean, John will tell you the same thing. You know, I completely understand it. Anyway, Penn State's in the same conference, for example, with Illinois. But I mean, do you, does anybody out there go, "Oh, Illinois, here they come"? It's like, okay, they want you to win that week because it's that week. What were your thoughts several years ago when that Land Grant Trophy was developed, and they were trying to get ah. a rivalry going with Michigan State, locked in, always the final game of the regular season? I understood what they were trying to do, so I understood it, and it was George Perlis's idea. You know, he's the one that, that called up Joe and he said, hey, you know, let's let's do this. Because Michigan State was already locked out of playing Michigan in the last game of the season. So they're already locked out of it. You know, remember, Perlis also, too, coached for years with the Steelers. So it wasn't like he was unfamiliar with Penn State. So he wanted to try and do this at the end of the season, thinking it would be good for both schools to do it because there's no way Penn State could play either Michigan or Ohio State at the end of the year. There's no way Michigan State can play Ohio State or Michigan at the end of the year. So he thought, okay, well, let's, you know, we can do it. So I thought that was fine. The trophy's absurd. It takes four people to carry that. Do you know that? It does look kind of heavy. Kind of. <laughs> it takes four. It, I mean, first of all, it's whomever designed it uh, missed the mark. That's a very kind, it's a kind way of saying it, don't you think? It's also really not all that aerodynamic. <laughs> oh, uh, it's quite the doorstop. That's for sure. Yeah, but just I with mean, all the other trophies that have been within the Big Ten for I, years oh, and years, you know the oak and bucket, you know Paul, yeah. you know the axe, 
Yeah, oh, the West. Vic- yeah. Penn State's got the victory bell with Minnesota. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm not big on the trophy games. Never have been. You want to know why? Let's go back to Ohio State and Michigan. What trophy do they play for? Last I checked, uh, they don't have one. They don't. Okay, it's who wins the game. Uh, to me, the trophy is lifting up a Big Ten championship trophy, uh, Big Ten East trophy, a Rose Bowl or Fiesta Bowl trophy, and obviously a college football playoff trophy. Now, those are the trophies you want to lift up. Not the fact that, hey, I got the victory bell. We beat Minnesota. Okay, let's hug each other. Let's move on. Okay, uh, you know, and that's about where it is. Those games don't mean. Now you know me. I approach every game the same anyway. I mean, it's, I always get like, how much more? Like, I put exactly the same amount of work into Illinois as I as I do into Ohio State. I'm also, you know, I'm not dumb. I'm smart enough to know the stakes of the game. But when Penn State plays Illinois, you can't have the proper stakes to the Ohio State game unless you beat Illinois. So it's an important game. Because that's, you know, again, the old saying that's the only one in front of you that week. But, uh, again, that's the point I made about the Big Ten over and over again is in part because Ohio State and Michigan... The other eight schools were mediocre to poor in football for a long time. In fact, in the 70s and in the 80s, Penn State would have dominated the Big Ten. Penn State was better. In the 80s, I mean, you're going to tell me Michigan and Ohio State were better than Penn State? In the 80s? Are you kidding me? Uh, No. Penn State played for the national championship three times in the decade. And unlike Ohio State and Michigan during that era, won. Bowl games? Bowl games. You know how far under 500 Bo Schembechler is in bowl games? And Bo's a great coach, by the way. But you know how far under 500 he is? You you realize that Woody Hayes was under 500 in bowl games at Ohio State? Now, Woody Hayes is at 500 because he won a salad bowl, I'm not joking, at Miami, Ohio. So I think he's 6-6 six and six like that. But he was 5-6 and six in bowl games at Ohio State. I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. If you actually sit down and read it, you're realizing that the two of them played... Ten games, blah, 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 blah. Finally got to the last game, and that was the last game was the last game because they were the only two decent teams in the league at that time. Well, now, now look at the league. Ohio State's terrific. Wisconsin's really good. Michigan State's come back, and they're good. Michigan's good. Penn State's terrific. Plus, you've got some other teams like Northwestern and, you know, and so forth that can really play. The, the conference has never been deeper than it is now. When Ohio State and Michigan were carving out these great years and they got to play the game at the, at the end of the season, the Big Ten was absolutely mediocre 3 through, three through 10. Mediocre 3 through 10. And then when they finally got the bowl games and had to, quote, play somebody else, forget it. All right. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. 
here's a here's a two prong trivia question for you. How many undefeated, untied seasons did Woody Hayes have in his career? How many undefeated, untied seasons did Woody Hayes have in his career? Two. That's it. How many undefeated, untied seasons did Bo Schembechler have in his career? None. How about that? I mentioned Woody Hayes at Ohio State was five and six in bowl games. Bo Schembechler was five and twelve. So between the two of them. Carrying the Big Ten banner, they were 10 and 18 in bowl games when they finally stepped outside and had to play somebody else. I think that's what bothers Penn State fans a lot. Is that the two, Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, are justifiably honored in the Big Ten. Justifiably. They did a lot for the conference, and they were great coaches. But they didn't have the record that somebody else had. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.